Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Isios. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the University of Adversity. If this is your first time, welcome to the family. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. I'm appreciating all the love for the show that I've been getting lately, you guys. Thank you so much. I continue to grow myself on this journey. And when I get the feedback that I've been getting, it just makes it all worthwhile. And some of the people that I've been able to connect with and that are going to be coming up are just like, I never thought it would be possible so fast. Now it's blowing up and it's because of you listeners out there and I really, really, truly appreciate you guys. So I just wanted to say that. So thanks so much. Well, let me introduce our guest. His name's David Bartley. Great guy. I actually saw his TED talk on YouTube. He describes his whole story, which we'll get into, but it's really moving and impactful. And I suggest you guys listening to go check out his TED talk, David Woods Bartley. And yeah, we jammed, we had a good conversation. This was a real, he's a real great dude. And I think you guys will really appreciate this. Um, and yeah, we, we, we unpack a lot. So make sure you listen to this right till the end. If you got any value from this, I would appreciate you guys. If you took a screenshot of the episode, tagged us and, and put in what your takeaway was or, or some sort of message that you got from this and share it with a friend or do what you can because this is important and I do this for you guys and I really want to add value to, to life, to people's lives. And I think the more we have these conversations about this topic, the more we open people's eyes. And I also want people to know too that this whole thing, this mental illness and people think because they have these bad thoughts that makes them a bad person or something and that's just not the case it's so normal for us to have thoughts that doesn't necessarily reflect who we are as a human being because we have crazy thoughts sometimes and that's just there's not always our thoughts so it's okay and my message is to just love yourself a little bit more go easy on yourself if you have these thoughts if you're having a bad day it's okay it'll pass right but don't beat yourself up about it we've all been there i know i've been there and just got to understand it's all part of the journey and we're all learning and we're all growing. So I hope you guys enjoy this. David Woods Bartley coming right up. And we're rolling. David, welcome to the show, my man. Man, I'm so excited, Lance. Thank you so much. I would imagine you get a lot of requests to be on your podcast, but please know what an honor it is for me to be here. Thanks, man. It's growing. You know, it's... um. It's, it's been a really fun journey, you know, and it's, it's, I get to connect with amazing people like yourself and it's just growing and it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's, uh, I feel blessed to be able to have this and be able to connect and, and share stories. So yeah, it's, it's been quite the, it's quite the journey so far. <laughs> and, and may I turn the tables and just ask just for what inspired you initially to, to do this? Um, my story is pretty crazy. Um, a lot like your, well, not for me personally, but, um, through my family, my younger brother, we, we lost him to suicide. Oh. Um, and my dad to cancer very, very, in a very short period of time. So I, 
Well, thank you. I've dealt with it though. You know how, you know, I, I, I've done all the work. I've it obviously still hurts, but you know, it's one of these things that I've dealt with. I've addressed it and it's, I've used it as fuel to help me. So that's why I created this. I want to be able to use my story and share it with others and help others share theirs, their stories of adversity. Right. So it was kind of, that was what I inspired. That's what inspired me to do it. And I feel, um, I've taken a, a negative and kind of turned it into a positive. So now I get to connect with people like yourself yes. and get that inspirational message. So awesome. um, and I love the name. Thanks, man. Thank you. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it just has such, you know, it just lands so cool. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been fun. And so you're, as we were talking about before, you're in Sacramento. In Sacramento, Northern California, um, yeah, uh, just about two hours, what would that be, east, I suck at directions, I'm sorry, two hours east of uh, San Francisco. Okay, cool. Yeah. I always think of like, because I watched a lot of Sons of Anarchy back in the day. Right. So I always think of like the the Northern California, I always, it's so funny because that's what it reminds me of, but uh, what's it, is it like anything like that up there? Like, is it like uh, that? No, not necessarily. You know, it's not quite as ethnically diverse as, as mentioned. I grew up on uh, on the East Coast outside of D.C. Yeah. And yet it's a beautiful, beautiful area to live. The people are beautiful. And yeah. we are located, Lance, in Sacramento. We're, we're spoiled for a lot of reasons, not not just the weather. Two, probably 90 minutes to Lake Tahoe. Okay. Two hours to San Francisco. 90 minutes to Napa. I mean, it, this is so beautifully centrally located and the wonderful expansion, thanks to the brilliance of uh, the, you, the powers that be in the you, municipality, SAC Airport now, you can go anywhere. I mean, I just flew to, to Boston University like two weeks ago. It's just like, boom. So yeah. it's, it's a great place to live. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I, I, that's awesome. And yeah, so we're not too far away. I'm in Vancouver getting the rain and you're getting the sun. So yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. I um, I'm really excited to dive into this. Um, I I watched your your TED talk and very very powerful. But before let's before we unpack that or we can get into that, I would love to give people a little bit of background about yourself. And if you want to get into this sure. story and go as deep as you want, because you got a powerful one, and uh, maybe just fill us in on the gaps of kind of how you got to where you are today. Sure. No, thank you so much. So I, I think the easiest way to start is to share that almost exactly eight years ago on August 31st, 2011, I was going to kill myself. And I was going to take my life by jumping off the 730 foot tall Forest Hill Bridge. And that's not nearly as famous as its cousin that lies two hours to the west, but the Forest Hill Bridge is 500 feet further off the ground than the Golden Gate Bridge. And I made my way to that place on that fateful day placed the suicide note that I'd written on the center of the dash of my vehicle, keys in the center of the note, made my way to the midpoint of the bridge, and then prepared to jump off. And the North Fork of the American River, Lance, runs 700 feet below, and I was fixated on this circular spot of water to the extent that everything else vanished in my life in the sense that time and space all went away. And I mention that because I don't know how long I stayed in that position in this pose with arms stretch out as far as I could to both sides, bent right over at the chest on what was then the four and a half foot suicide barrier, which has since been raised to six foot one. But it was in this place, a woman passing by whom I've never met, acted on a feeling that we've all had. She looked upon that situation and then had the thought, something's not right with this picture. And so she acted on it. 
not that not acting on it is a judgment, but she acted on it, pulled, picked up the phone, called 911, and a first responder approached me from the left-hand side and initially established contact, which I believe is logistical, and then created connection, which is life-saving, because in my experience, connection creates hope, and hope saves lives. I was taken off the bridge to an emergency department and then ultimately to a psych ward where I would stay for the next 15 days. And probably the most powerful thing to, for me to express is when people found out I was there and why, they were shocked. They, they, they couldn't get their head around it because at the time I was married to an amazing woman who was still a very dear friend. And we were running this huge animal sanctuary called A Chance for Bliss. And the sanctuary was home to as many as 100 animals at any one time. 25 horses, 23 dogs, nine pot-bellied pigs, and goats, and sheep, and ducks, and geese, and turtles, and fish, and, and everything else. And so we had this thing, and so I didn't fit the image of somebody who was mentally ill or who had been plagued by depression for, at that point, close to 40 years. I was 48 at the time. And I didn't fit the image of somebody who was suicidal and hopeless. And yet, I think sometimes what hurts the most can't be seen. There is these invisible maladies, this, this deep, deep, deep experience of despair and hopelessness lies behind a smile, or in this case, a seemingly perfect and ideal life. We're running this sanctuary, and people thought, how could this person, who we knew, this happy guy who was really good at picking up manure, how could he forget the truth of who we are as human beings, that we're worthwhile, we're needed, we're wanted? How could I be, how could I have forgotten all that? So ultimately, on a day that I thought would be my last day alive, it was instead the first day in a journey of what I described as from mental illness into the experience of, of our, our right. Mental health is not a privilege. Mental health is our right. Like, we come into this life with that right. And so it's been this journey. And I always like to qualify. I still have my days. There are still days. I would love to tell you, brother, that I've never had another suicidal ideation and there's never been a day when I don't feel in complete despair but I'd be lying to you. And so I still have to manage it actively. So that's a, a brief, maybe not too brief, <laughs> kind of my story. Thank you for sharing. It takes, you know, I know you've shared that story and every time you share it, it probably just feels a little bit better. You get a little yes. bit, it's, uh, it's like that. And man, it's, you never think, like the, I don't, this is the thing. It's like, we say this person doesn't fit the look of somebody that's going to do that, but who actually does look like that? You know, it's, it's crazy. It's like you see this now and, and one that comes to my mind is someone like Robin Williams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like honestly, I mean the guy, you, you would never have thought that, you know, but he was so good at hiding that. No, and he wasn't, you know, what's brother, what's even, I agree with you a thousand percent. And then, um, Kate Spade. And, yeah. And, and, uh, uh Bourdain, yeah. And, but especially not, I mean, those souls were, were incredible. And, yeah. but with Robin Williams, I, and I think, and, and you know this, um, personally, that, you know, the monster's main weapon is to convince a person that they're worthless and useless, that they don't matter, that they're invisible, that the world, in fact, for me, I believe truly that people in my life, their lives would improve exponentially, not just a little bit, like they would be better. So I had become convinced of the lie that what I was about to do was selfless, not selfish, which I, I, 
for the, the people who have had to endure the loss, the horrific loss of someone, I just say, I, I just would like to share a little insight. I would imagine your beloved was feeling similarly. But, but anyway, to go back to Robin Williams, you'd think he may have been at that time that he ended his life, like the most loved soul on the planet. Yeah. You know, I mean, Lance, I, I, I mean, who didn't love Robin Williams? So it's, it's, it's mind blowing, man. It is. It is. I remember when I got to, when I heard the news, I'm like, what? That's gotta be wrong. Not that person. That just goes to show you that it doesn't matter. It can be anybody, man. Like the mental illness is a real problem and there's so many factors that could be contributing to it. And I love having this conversation and bringing awareness to it because, you know, suicide has this, the, the suicidal thought thing has this stigma around it. Like, oh, if you've had that thought, you're crazy. Right. It's hard for me to believe that every human on planet Earth hasn't had that thought once. It's, I, I, it's, it's bullshit. I, I don't buy it. If anybody has ever thought, hmm, when a bad time, would it be better without me here? Like right. realistically, right? And that doesn't mean that it's wrong with anybody. Everybody's just, everybody has thoughts. There's, there's thousands of thoughts going in our minds all the time, right? right. And, 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 and I just don't think people should feel bad about having that because obviously some have more and it develops and you focus on that thought and it becomes this thing. But, you know, I, I, I don't think it's, it's a crazy world we're living in. We're dealing with overload of stress, overload of information. Companies trying to feed us toxic foods. People are lost, right? So it's, it doesn't surprise me that more and more people feel this way. You know, I, I concur a thousand percent. And then you look at the, you know, and I'm sure you are intimately aware the the most recent report by CDC, which tracked from I think it was 97 to 2017. Those demographics, especially the the young girls and our ethnic brothers and sisters who are teens, those groups seem to be somewhat immune to the horror of completed suicide. And now those numbers are going up at an alarming rate. I think there's been a lot of news of late in which people have had a time to process that report. And it's something like there's a 50% increase in the death by suicides of our young ones, you know, in the 15 to 24 age category. And yeah, it's just like, Dear God, what you know? What is going on here? Yeah. So uh, it is. It's a major, major, major problem. And I love what you said. I, I do think. I think there is a broad spread, inclusive, and common theme that everybody's at least had a single thought. Of course, uh, you know. And you know, people like me, where you get in that negative loop. And I mean, I've thought about killing myself. You know tens upon tens maybe who knows maybe a hundred thousand times i don't know what it is yeah yeah and those thoughts will still come but but there's nothing wrong with it and that's the thing it's just just because you talk about it doesn't make it a bad thing that's the thing is i think people now are becoming more comfortable with talking about it just because you had a thought doesn't mean you're a bad person and this is the this is what i want to address in this whole this whole mental illness thing is it's okay to talk about it we all right. have our, we are, we're all fucked. We all have some sort of thing happening and it's okay to talk about it. You know, exactly. I just, it's, it's, it's like, there's nobody's got a perfect brain happening here. You know, and I just want everybody to know, like everybody has, and the more people I talk to, the more I realize how similar we are. We're all fighting a good fight. It's, it's life, right? It's the journey. And yeah. 
And I just feel sometimes people, I feel like they let those thoughts kind of overtake the negative, the, the positive ones. And sometimes, like you said, you can get into this loop and then you start, you know, what you focus on, you bring more into your life, right? So if you focus exactly. on, if you focus on what you don't have and the negative stuff, then you're going to start the things that align with that thought are going to start popping up in your life, right? So I, um, I just want anybody listening and uh, just to understand it's okay to have these, like, it's not a big deal to have these thoughts, you know? And I just love that. Like the more we hear about this kind of stuff, the more it's, it, it becomes okay to talk about it. Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, it's interesting because I, I think one of the things that well-intentioned people, what stops them is this fear of saying or, or doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And coupled with that is that they don't feel qualified. You know, I'm not a psychiatrist or a therapist, which I'm not. But I think the simple acts, to paraphrase what you're saying, brother, the simple acts of creating connection, one human being to another, that's really all we need to do. The, yeah. the truth is we're not broken. Like I'm no. not broken. I'm not damaged. I'm not defective. I live with a condition that I have to actively manage just like my, the person who has diabetes or whatever it is, or yeah. stress or grief or loss or economic hardship or what, domestic violence, whatever it is. But the simple act, I, I am convinced that connection creates hope and hope saves lives. That's it. Because yeah. the monster wants to sequester us away like a jealous lover. So I don't know, when you were younger and you were dating somebody, somebody and your parents may not have agreed with that was the best choice. And so the admonition is to one another, well, let's just go away. Nobody understands us. Yeah. And I think the monster, I think about the monster just wants to get us. And it's a little seductive, you know, like, hey, come with me. Let's be alone. You'll feel better. And then you're, yeah. you're fucked at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. A lot of people don't even realize what's going on because they're covering it up with drugs, alcohol, you know, all kinds of medication. They're getting this for this and this for that. And a lot of people don't realize the daily habits, like especially drinking all the time. Like that's what I, I had a bad problem for a long time and wow. I didn't even understand why, but there was just this emotional trauma from my teen years or whatever it happened that I didn't, all of a sudden alcohol was this thing that allowed me to like almost escape. And that's what it, when I unpacked the past when I thought about what, what, why is this, what am I doing this for? I realized that it was just kind of, I was not facing my own demons and not understanding like, okay, there's a reason you, you, you're hiding, you're, you're hiding with under booze. And I think a lot of people don't even realize what's happening. They get right. caught in that loop as well, right? No, and I agree. And you know, what's interesting is I think about, I think folks like you and I, and, and many people who live with a variety of conditions that we're actually more tied in. We have a closer association with our feelings than the average person. So that can be a blessing. Like we're more tuned into compassion. We're more tuned into the suffering and needs of other people. That's a beautiful thing. But at the acute level, on the other end is we can experience suffering and despair and hopelessness that can be overwhelming. I think then without condoning behavior that's counterproductive, that absent some degree of compulsivity, no matter what it is, in the acute phase of those feelings, I think the suicide rate potentially would go 
exponentially. Mm-hmm. And so, and the only reason I, for me, and I, I've not danced the dance that you've had to navigate and, and bless your heart for that courage and all the work that, that took to go from where you were to where you are now. I think if we can understand why somebody would make that choice, that they're feeling so bad. And I don't know if it's just as simple, like, okay, I'm going to check out, or maybe I can do something to mitigate the pain. Now, again, without condoning that, but then I look at it, I'm like, wow, okay, I, I, at least I understand it a little bit better. And from that perspective, because I, I think understanding is so great. Mm-hmm. We discover the story and the why. Then I don't necessarily have to agree with you, but at least I can, I can create an informed opinion. I'm not just dancing in ignorance. And then ultimately, in the best case of that, I can be in what I call a sanctuary of mutuality. Like, man, we are like crazy connected. And like, man, I get it. Like, let's walk this walk together and help one another. So I think that's just my feel around addiction. That, again, it sucks. It's horrific. Um, I've had my own dances with compulsivity around behaviors and things I've looked at online, which, you know, but in processing somewhat similar to you, it's allowed me to, to, to be with these feelings that are really intense. Just like, whoa. What what do you so this is a bit of a this is a bit of um an issue that I that what drove me nuts is that the lack of accountability when it comes to giving out drugs for these issues mm. and this was the problem in my my brother's circumstances I rarely talk about this but it's I it really I mean. I believe that there are certain things that people need as far as that goes, like there are certain medications, but I believe there's not enough accountability for what, who is giving what and why. And there, there's too many, well, this does this and then this does this and this is, and creates all these side effects. But then, you know, somebody gets these thoughts and then takes action. So who's accountable for that? Like who's accountable for, for giving that in the first place? Nobody usually, right? Yeah. And and that drives me that drives me crazy. That's, I don't get heated up very often, but like <laughs> thinking about that whole thing, that it, it it really bothers me because I understand people need medication for certain things, but I also believe that there's a lot of lifestyle changes that can help too. That can help impact that. You're like, what are your thoughts about that whole situation? Nutrition, drugs, all that. I I, I could not agree with you more. And one of the things, so what I explain is. You know, the, the monster, and I, I always refer to mental illness, in my case, depression, uh, as the monster, is not satisfied with just, you know, feasting on my brain. He ultimately wants to control my physiology. And finally, as a final course, as a dessert, just eat my soul. He wants to kill me. So in other words, he impacts my body, my mind, and my spirit, which, and that's sobering, difficult news. But oftentimes, the identification of cause and severity of a problem automatically points the way to the solution. So when I talk to people, I say, look, you are not going to wake up one day and just automatically be well. Like it ain't going to happen. Bad news. But if you put your self-care on a pedestal, if you create a comprehensive plan of self-care, diet, sleep hygiene, exercise, time outside, therapy to the extent that you feel like you need it, a communion and relationship with a psychiatrist in which you feel connected, medication, and on the medication, I always go on a little tangent, like realize the best thing medication is going to do for you is quiet your symptoms. That's it. 
It's the difference between an Advil and an antibiotic. There's no curative effect in, a, in an antidepressant and antipsychotic. What it does is opens the door by quieting your mind to do the curative things, diet, sleep, exercise, counseling, therapy, and then your own, whatever you want to call your spiritual practice, whatever, and some sense of purpose. Like you do all that, which is a freaking lot of work. Like I spend as much time, Lance, in self-care than the average soul spends in a part-time job. Is it worth it? The, the ROI is phenomenal, but it's a lot of work. And I, I share that with people. I'm like, here's the thing. I mean, you can be well, but depending on the severity of your condition, it's going to be a lot of work. Now, to circle back to what you say about medication, I, I totally agree. And there are people in positions of authority that have the ability to dispense medication that are lacking integrity. Life has blessed me with, an, one, a great primary care physician who's highly trained and passionate about mental health. Like when I would go see him at different times, Lance, he gave me, if you've ever heard of the Beck's Depression Index? It's like 22 questions and, and you score. So the higher the score, the more it's difficult. And then this, Dr. Harris is just so great. And then I got led to Dr. Capobianco, who's my psychiatrist, who's a Jungian. So we talk about dreams, spirituality, archetypes, and, and medication. So, you know, it, I, I think there, it is incumbent to a certain degree, maybe it, whatever the degree is, for the patient, and I know it's difficult sometimes, to take responsibility for advocating for themselves. Mm. Now, we can, like your beloved brother, get into a place of despair where you know we're barely functioning so we are completely reliant on somebody else's professional acumen if we get a chance to have even a little bit of relief on that and we don't feel good about this person that we're in connection with we got to say you know what man i'm out i got to choose somebody different because there are great people out there i again life has blessed me with an amazing therapist psychiatrist general practitioner so i know there may not be enough but they exist so walk us, walk us through some of the stuff that you did to get, to get that you help heal you. Like, is there some st specific stuff that people that, you know, that they could use in their own lives that you do yeah. and now you do like non-negotiables or? Yeah, they are all non. It's not, it's not a, what's the, I'm trying to, I can't think of a word. No, there, it, it is like, it's the foundation of my life. And you know, the other thing is, and I, I, I'm sure, sure, but I would imagine you agree. I don't know what it's like in Canada, but I think in the modernized world, this whole thing, if a person advocates and even goes out to say, as you know, I got to take care of myself, the societal response can be, oh, you're being selfish. You got to put other people first. And I'm like, okay, how's that working for us? Like my cup full means I have to share. You cannot give from an empty well, especially for those of us who live like your wonderful brother with these conditions. So one, you got to get that nonsense out of your head. And if, if you put your self-care needs to be the number one priority, it's got to be. You, if, for me to do what I do in service, humble service to other people, I got to be well. So sleep is a big thing. You know, I'd love to think at 56 as a middle-aged man, uh, yeah, I can get by on. You're 56? You look a lot younger, man. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm blessed by great people. You know, they, they, I, I am. And your skin's like super tight. Like it's, there's no wrinkles or anything. <laughs> you look like you're I, like 40, man. Not even. You're the yeah. best. You're yeah. the best. This is the best podcast of all time. <laughs> um, 
I'm blessed, brother. I, I, I am who I am. All my successes are because I'm surrounded by an amazing, great people, just yeah. unbelievable people. Um, so I, but I, I can't get by on those things. I, I, I need six, really seven to eight. Now, again, I know you know, there's more neurotransmission that happens in our stomachs than happens in our head. Oh, yeah. So I think it's incumbent upon me to eat as clean as I can. I don't eat perfect. My God, I had not one, but two bowls of ice cream last night, and it was freaking amazing. Um, I got to work out. I went to the gym today. So it's four to five days a week. And not only is it the physiological endorphins and everything else, but I have purposely created what I call micro relationships, people I see on a regular basis. And the relationship, if you look at the second word in the definition of the word connection, it's relationship. So I may only see people two, three times a week, but it's almost like I've set up this mechanism in which it's impossible for me to, to be invisible. Like I can't hide. If I show up at the gym, someone's going to say, David, how are you? What's going on? How was your talk? How, you know, whatever. Awesome. And then got to be outside. So those things are non-negotiable. I need therapy. Um, I've done a lot of my wonderful therapist, Barbara. Are you familiar with EMDR? Um, what is it? The I can't remember what the goofy acronym for is, but it's basically another way to put it, Lance, is they call it bilateral stim. Okay. So the initial technique, I think, had to do with eye stimulation. I use auditory. Some people do a tactile, very mild. And what it does is it stimulates both hemispheres of the, of the brain. At you know, It goes back and forth. And then with a trained um, therapist, you almost go into a slight hypnotic trance. Mm. You go to a point, oftentimes it's used to untangle and unfreeze trauma. Um, and I was raped when I was 11 years old which that plus genetics, I explained, kind of put me on this path to live with this condition. So by unfreezing things in traumatic place, and we, Barbara and I work so long, now we just go to a, a less intense, more mild negative cognition. Like I suck as a human being, or I'm a piece of shit or whatever. So we pick a point of cog a negative cognition and go in and it's just, I don't know why it works as well as it does, it just does. Mm. So I need therapy. Like, I've never missed a therapeutic appointment. One time, because we changed the date, I forgot, and we did a phone call. But I've never missed it. I've done it. Like, it's non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. I also participate and now actually co-facilitate groups on mental health. So you get into a group, and it's all about support, not advice. It's peer-led. Get into a group of people just like this, this sacred experience with you now, two people who get what the other is saying. That in and of itself is incredibly human. Yeah, and then psychiatry. My my uh, my psychiatrist is a badass. <laughs> it's just he's like a father. I mean, and I'll do a quick story. So I sent him my TED talk, and so I saw the next session. He he always does the same thing. He's a fan of routine like me. So I come in the office. I sit at this couch. He had doesn't use fluorescent lighting. It's Tiffany lamps. And all it's great. So he doesn't say anything. Walks to his desk sits down, he has this little bowl of shelled walnuts. He had some walnuts. The whole time he's not said anything. I've said on my freaking TED talk. Doesn't say a word. I'm like, you're killing me. <laughs> so and then he gets very methodically, like he gets out this piece of paper, you look at his notes, and he turns to me and he says, probably one of the greatest talks I've ever heard. 
was like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. So this man, I, so I, I, I'll see him the rest of my life. I, that's fine. And then, you know, spirituality, however we define it, doesn't matter. So I have my own practice. You know, it could be going to a formal place or maybe I go outside, whatever it is. And then I used to mention, I used to run the sanctuary and that no longer exists. And what I do now, I tell people I wrap mental health in animal stories. So I'm a storyteller. I'm not a statistician, a statistician or anything else. So that's my purpose. I get to honor my former bride. I get to honor these animals and to try to take like you in your courageous way, take this really difficult subject break it down to where it's approachable. So that whole thing, that that's what I do to stay well. And so I would offer that to the wonderful people who are listening to just say, you know, medication like you, I'm a fan, but I, I manage my expectation. Like I'm, this will not make me well. Well, the, the quiet, the symptoms. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off there. No, it's, okay. it's, it's the self-awareness that you have though. That is that is huge for for taking this the the first step in understanding that hey you know what this world is a is a tough place sometimes I need some help and yep. but that itself is very courageous and not many majority of people can't ask for help because of their own egos because they they just don't realize they want to do it on their own it's the same thing like I'm gonna suffer and I'm not gonna take as much for me and I'm just gonna help other people. And it's like, yeah, that's great. I see where you're coming from. But if you can't, if you can't be around and be the best version of you, then how, how are you going to help them to it's their full extent? Right. So right. like you can, and this is, this is mentality that's been going on. And my dad was the same way. My dad would just go without almost torture himself for certain things to be like, well, you have the bigger plate at dinner. I'll have the smaller one. Just like little things like that. As if like, that's like a good thing all the time. Like that taking less and suffering and I'm going to suffer through this because that's what we do. And I just don't think that's the right way to go about things. Well, I agree. And I think it's a really fine line because my love language is service. Like, you know, and, and, and I think the beautiful thing about connection like this here, I I don't know how you feel, but I I feel empowered as a result. So I, I love the reciprocity of connection. So service is the way that I, in addition to saying it, but the way that I tell people I love them. But like you beautifully said, there's a very fine line between service and suffering. You know, you got to be like, yeah, just, you know, and and the classic example, and I think it's good. And I just was reminded this past weekend, you got to put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah, you do. And, and, and you're right, because certain things, obviously, that we do, we do it out of love. Like, maybe that, that example, what I was saying, wasn't the best one. But I just mean, I think that, I just think when you get programmed to always go without, and always have to suffer in every situation, have, the little, have less, you're, you know, I just feel like it doesn't program you to think that you're enough. So what are you saying? You're saying you're not enough. And oh, wow. That's that, a good- right? I mean... No, I don't, I got it. That's a great connection. No, I, I hear you. I just feel like there needs to be more an awareness about it's good to have that self-care, that, that like asking for help and doing things and, and practicing the self-care, the me time is important because then you are more of an asset to the people around you. Right? Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, uh, We Were Soldiers Once and Young with, with Mel Gibson. And there's one point 
he's on this place and like all hell is breaking loose. And, and in his desire to be a leader, he thrusts himself out into the open, which was precarious. And his master sergeant, I'll never forget, grabs him and says, if you go down, we all go down. So, you know, you gotta like, you know, this throw yourself on the sword, especially for we men, it is heroic in their aspects, but I actually think we can embody a greater sense of heroism by making sure our cup is full, our tank is full, so that we can go out and do the service work that I think uplifts us. It's part of our purpose. And you know what the true service work is? Is, is, help, tell, is, is telling people it's okay to be vulnerable. That's, that's true service. Like that's being okay with what is actually happening. Right. Being able to talk about it and open up and be vulnerable. We've talked about this before in the show about the vulnerability and how important that is. Having people understand it's okay, I believe is true service. Absolutely. And I think, you know, on my best days and, and really, I'm, I'm just a mouthpiece to share the brilliance of my former wife and what she allowed me to participate in, these great souls who continue to support and help me, just sharing the story and how they created the space for me to show up and be vulnerable. And it, I, I hear it every time, and this has nothing to me about me as a speaker, where people just respond, like you say, based on an internal need, hunger, and want for authenticity and vulnerability and just you know and it's interesting this last part because i went for went for a period of about 18 months in which i i didn't have a suicidal ideation and i'm like wow this is incredible and i you know i got i, I fell into the trap not egotistically i think out of a, a want that wow they're gone they'll never happen again and they came back and then all of a sudden i questioned myself have i lost the the right to go up and speak because I feel like I've, I, in my own mind, had taken a step back. Mm. And the last few months have been tough. Just felt like I, life was kind of kicking my ass and stress and was just been in some bad places. And something told me of late to just like be real and share that, you know, just, just add that into the talks, you know, and, and as you know, people have responded beautifully. You know, and even, even to the extent of, God, I love that your healing is not perfect. You know, it's not like this one and done and you never deal with it anymore. But so, that's what's relatable. No, you're right. Exactly. The imperfection, the uncertainty, the up and down of life. And, and I have to remind myself, because sometimes I'll give a talk and I'm like, oh, you suck. Of course. I, because I, you know, I forgot something. But that's, that's normal, though. I mean, right. we're still going to do that. The best athlete in the world, the best everybody still has those conversations with themselves sometimes. No, you're right. Right? right. It's your ego. Like, you're, 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 it's trying to say you're not good enough. You're like, I see why you're there. You're, you're trying to keep me safe. I get it. You know, <laughs> exactly. I get it. It's like, I understand. I see you. I hear you. Right. No, like, I, I, I agree with you. A thousand and we all, I, th I believe we all have that. I believe we all have that, that, that noise. It's just like whether you're good at kind of, or whether you're, you're skilled at tuning it out and realizing like, Hey, I'm actually very capable. That was a great talk or whatever. And it's like, right. it's amazing because like, it's always the people who do amazing work that doubt themselves. And, and I've been just as guilty. You know, people are like, people see you differently than you see yourself, you know? It's like sometimes you just want to shake somebody, 
you just want to be like, look, do you not understand where, how talented and how good you are? Like, I just, I, the way I look at you and the way, like, do you not see it? Like, it's sometimes the most frustrating thing. No, it is. When it you're is. like, you're so good, but you don't understand it. Yeah, like, and, there's, and there's where, you know, then I think for me also, it makes me, you know, without being codependent, but who the, who the hell cares? Then I feel sad, yeah. you know, to imagine, because I can relate. I mean, I think the worst thing we can ever say to somebody is, I know exactly how you feel, because we don't. Yeah. You say, I relate, I understand, I empathize. And then when you, when, like you, rather, when you see somebody who you think, oh my God, this person is like the greatest soul in the world. And I have a friend of mine, plus, he is just so great. And, and there'll be times that we connect, he's so amazing. And I'll hear some self-doubt or he'll go as so far to say, and I'm like, you yeah. are, you're like one of the best human beings on the planet. Um, and so, yeah, and I get, I, I step into that frustration, but even more of late is, God, I feel so, I say, oh, I feel so sad that it's to me so unnecessary for you above anybody else. And Larry is selfless and serves and is conscious about living green and all these other things and is altruistic and takes care of himself. I'm just like, man, you embody like a life well lived. And yet he has these dips, which to go back to what you say is normal. But in those moments where I, when I see that he forgets who he is, it's just like, oh, God, I wish I could give that to you. You know, here, take it, please. I'm going to smack you. No, I don't say that. How, what, so how did you, your TED Talk was really well done. Thank you. you know, what did you do beforehand? Was that one of your first big talks? Or like, tell us about that because that itself, you're a very good speaker. And I really Thank like, you. it was like, I turned it on. I was like, whoa, there needs to be more views on that thing, man. I know. There's I was like, like, I was like, how is this not, you know, it's crazy how that, it, it's, I, it's, a, it's really good, man. Like it's, no, it's thank very you. moving. I, thank you. And I really, really appreciate that, brother. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to go back to this whole thing of connection. I met a guy named Don in the psych hospital, middle-aged guy. I was going to end his life. And then we became buddies. So when Don got out, he found this men's depression support group. Middle-aged guys, six to 10, got together every Tuesday for two hours. And just, it was about support, not advice. So for the next six and a half years, I went to that group. I'd actually go counseling four to five, take a break and go to group six to eight, like every week. From that group, I met my current therapist, my current psychiatrist, got on medications. But in answer to your question, I met a guy named Will Taylor seven years ago. And Will approached me. He was working for one of our wonderful county services. And he said, hey, I run this speakers bureau. I, I think, you know, I'd like you to come and tell your story. And I'm like, WTF? <laughs> Why would I go do that? What is telling about my worst moments going to be of help to anybody else and we of course know what that is and so that was somewhere north of 400 talks at this point okay which i never would have thought um so at one point of course you know like oh my god i want to do a ted talk and in fact there's a vision board back here and in the like the far west in the middle is the symbol of ted so I thought, you know, that, of course, that'd be like the epitome. And then, so I applied, and I'll never forget, it was a Saturday about noon, and the email came in, and like bold, it said, congratulations. You know, we want you to be part of the TED Talk. In fact, I, I honestly thought either it was a mistake or they were going to take it away. So I didn't tell anybody. Like, for like three weeks, I didn't tell anybody. I'm like, 
I don't, you know, and then I did, and then th that whole process, you know, is amazing. And so let's, I'm going to be 100% transparent. So that was a year, it was September 2018. Now, I had in my mind, okay, you know what? That's it. I'm good. Like, you do a TED Talk. And it hasn't been that way. And there's been, I have gotten part of this difficult period of late in the last few months has just been some despair about, damn, I don't know what else to do. I, I can't seem to get above a certain point of notoriety, not from an egotistical standpoint, from, but from like a marketing standpoint. Like, you know, and I don't know, I'm not, you know, I try to process it and I think I'm a really emotional speaker. Yeah. And, and I think, what I've been told is that kind of at the end of the speech, kind of like at the TED talk, when I tell the story of Odie, the horse, mm -hmm. people are just left with, wow. And it, they get a little catatonic, not catatonic. They're kind of frozen in the processing. And I don't know, brother, it's just, so I don't know why I think it's gotten, I don't know, 3,500 views and I've sent, I, I don't know. And so on my best days, I think, okay, I need to move my feet do what I'm supposed to do. And then I got to let go of trying to, to force the details. Um, yeah. I, I honestly, like, I think it's just a matter of look at the end of the day, social media is a beast. There's a lot of people on social media, right? There's a, no, well, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of people. You just, you have to be omnipresent. You have to be everywhere. Yeah. You got to be doing it. You got to be sharing it, building awareness. You should be getting, having your own podcast. You, like these are the things you got to build that awareness out there. Right. I mean, otherwise, how's anybody gonna, how's anybody gonna know? Right. I feel like with that talk, that talk itself is like, is amazing. Thank you. I mean, and, those words coming from you, they, they mean the world to me. Thank you. Uh, and I, you know, I aspire, I want to do Ted talk too. And I'm putting that out in the universe as well at some point, but I just, I wouldn't think about it as like, it's like anything a lack of good quality content because it is, it's just the, you enough people, enough people haven't seen it or don't know about it yet. That's it. No, that's, I agree. That's what you yeah. see. These, these big influencers is just because they're everywhere, man. They got marketing teams, the size of like, you know, 20 people, right. They're on everything. They're sharing everything. And it's like, it's just a matter of time. Right. I mean, that's the thing with, this is another thing with social media is that people fucking doubt themselves because they see other people having all this success so fast and it makes them feel like their story or their video or their something doesn't matter because it hasn't ranked up or got that many views. And it's like, it's all right. It, eventually it will. You just got to keep it going. And I, I only mentioned it. Why you didn't have as many views is because I was like, this thing is amazing. There's just a, one reason is that people just haven't seen you enough. That's no. it. Well, thank you. And then, and, you know, and again, I believe in the serendipity and divinity of life and your message coming at a point when I need it is yeah. a beautiful thing. And so I thank you. That's a huge gift to me. No, absolutely. And, and I just, I really respect people who can go out and actually take their story, share it under in, a, in an environment like Ted talks and, and just to be able to do that. And it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of bravery. And yeah, I mean, as far as the accolades and all that, that stuff all comes you know, when it's meant to, you know, who knows what you're meant to go through first before you're probably to a year from now, you probably still have another story to tell, to get to where you got then, you know, there's oh, who knows? No, it is. And I'll tell you the one thing that it had the blessing is I, I have worked really hard, especially over the last year 
to become, a, a, I think, a much better speaker. I look at the TED Talk now, where let's say a talk I gave yesterday at a church. I think the talk I gave yesterday was so much better than my TED Talk. And again, it's not about either or anything else. It's the fact that I had it, that TED Talk had not to this point launched me to a place where I feel like I can serve more people. It's just made me work harder. Like, okay, you know what? I need to be a better storyteller. I need to create new stories. And so I'm, I'm and they're all about animals. They're just these, and who doesn't love a freaking animal story? Yeah. It just makes it relatable. And I can honor my past because maybe another time when I'm blessed to be with you, the way that whole thing came to an end was so fucked up. It was ridiculous. And I understand it. Like, okay. And part of my talk yesterday was an ending can lead to a beginning. Of course. It doesn't mean it's not easy. You know, it doesn't mean it's not hard. But anyway, so. There's always a beginning and an ending. No, and I would just say, please do a TED Talk. I mean, especially, you know, your dance with compulsivity, the loss of your beloved brother. I mean, you you put that whole thing, my my experience of being with you now and the energy that exudes, I mean, it'll be amazing. Just please do it. Yeah, I appreciate it. There, you know, after being able to speak with so many amazing people, I feel like when the time is right, I'll be able to use, because I'm, I'm learning every, every time. I'm storing all this amazing information. It's like, it's, like, it's like a hack. I get to get to talk to these people like yourself and I get to store all this and I'm learning, right? Right. And then it's like, wow, okay, I'm actually, I'm actually getting smarter. It's like, <laughs> so eventually, yeah, I want to do a talk. I want to be able to share the value that I've learned from adversity itself and to be able to share space with people and allow them and be able to connect with them so that they can share their story. That means everything to me. And when somebody reaches out and says, oh, I really love that episode. And, and I'm like, you listen to that? Like I didn't even know. And out of nowhere, somebody that I don't even know or somebody that I do know that I didn't even think knew I had a podcast is like, hey, I was really, I was listening to that. And that was amazing. And I'm like, that's, that's why I do it, you know? No, and it was funny. I tell a quick story with that in mind. I was in Walmart with my beloved now summer and um, and her, her little one, Grace, eight. And I've never had kids, so that, that's a whole other experience. Anyway, so I'm in Walmart, and we're cruising along, and this woman, this woman turns to me and said, hey, you gave a TED Talk. <laughs> what are you talking about? How? Like, so I'm like, okay, I'm blown away. And I'm not saying it to elicit any kind of response. I still, when someone recognizes me, it... So on one hand, it surprises the heck out of me. But then it also, more importantly, it says, okay, you know what? I'm being of service to the universe in the way the universe needs me to be of service. Like something in that talk had heard probably the story about the horse, which is great. So I, I get what you're saying. I mean, people know I'm doing a podcast. Like how? So it's yeah. this wonderful, these little reminders. It's like this little jetpack. Like, okay, you know what? I'm good. Yeah. And I get to see you, and so I'm like, okay, this is good, man. This is a good, this is going to be a great week. And I'm, I'm going to Iowa tomorrow. I've never been to Iowa to talk at an employment conference. And this, cool. this whole thing is amazing because these people are brave enough to like, okay, mental illness is kicking the workplace's ass. We need to have a conversation. So this yeah. whole day, I'm like, wow, this, this will be fun. So it'll be fun. It's going to be a good week. Great week. I, what I really appreciate about the way you tell your story is like you really paint the picture. You really get into the details and, and that is really important too. Mm. Like the real clarity of the story itself. Mm. And that's kind of, that's, I appreciate that. And even when people tell stories, when people write in marketing as well, when you're sharing your story in marketing, like 
any like you need the the clearer the better, right? And yeah, and I I appreciate that when someone does that because you feel like you're right there with them, and you're like you know you're like I was like don't do it, don't do it, you know? And, no, 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 it's crazy. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a and you know telling stories. It, that's what I do. It's just yeah. not you know I realize that I'm not. I don't the, the technical part. That's not my that's not my forte. But, you know, on a, on a good day, and yesterday was a good day. I, I told some stories I had never told before, and, like, it was fun. Like, yeah, yeah that, was, that was cool. I, awesome. I like it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Where, where, is, where can everybody find you? Where, where can we check you out? Thank you, brother. Uh, one again for the gift of your time and this connection. So it's David Woods. My middle name is WoodsBartley.com. So DavidWoodsBartley.com. And my niece, Brooke, is incredible. She's done all the stuff. We're going to do a revision to the website. And it's, I, you know, a buddy of mine, who's a great coach of mine says, sometimes you got to kill your darlings in the sense, you know, I think, Oh my God, I got to put all this content out there. I need to thin it out a little bit. That said, Brookie has, there's some great video clips. If you're interested in animals on the about navigation tab, it'll drop down. It'll take you to the sanctuary that used to be. And there's a great six minute video. So go there if I can be of service. And it really is for me about being of service to people. Please let me know. So do you offer coaching, coaching programs or anything like that? So I do, I do speeches, I do trainings and workshops, and then I actually do one-on-one coaching with people too. And the coaching, I'm not, I'm not a trained professional. I'm a, I'm a peer. And I, I share, it goes back to what you said. I share with people what worked for me and then add the other part that I love that you said about accountability. Like you need a partner. You know, just let's do it together. So those three things. Honestly, if somebody, I had to pick between somebody that's gone and got a degree in something, but has never experienced anything mm-hmm. in their life, but someone that doesn't have that and has experienced that, I'm telling you right now that in the way the world is going, they're going to go with the person with the experience no, and who, who emotionally connects with them. Like that's, that's where you're going to learn something from. I mean, I, school and all that's great, but the end of the day, like for me personally, I think that's, that's the, that's the direction we're going in as well. Is that like, Hey, this person has lived this and got through it. Who are you going to learn more from? No, you're right. You're right. Right? And I think, and I think when, and I, I, my hope is the same that we will continue to move towards that. Again, I love my professionals, but I think we're too far behind the eight ball. We're never going to have enough. That's the bad news. Good news is we're all capable and we can just support one another and just listen you know, follow the lead of courageous souls like you to create this avenue for, for those of us. And then we partner up and the ripple effect's going to go out. People are like, okay, you know what? This is possible. It's not some fantasy. Like, so, yeah. yeah. And you're all on social media. I just added you to Instagram. You're, yep, you're uh, LinkedIn. Yep. The yeah. whole, the whole gig. If you Google awesome. my name, it comes up. Thanks to my amazing niece, bro. Great. Oh man, well, I just want to say thanks for coming and sharing and having it was a great conversation. This was awesome. It was awesome, man. I just thank you so, so much. What an honor to spend to spend time with you. I so appreciate it. Oh, man, pleasure is all mine. And uh, like I said, as always, the time flies when you're when you're having fun and you're in good discussion. So it's crazy. But um we'll we'll make sure everything's clear in the show notes for you and so everybody could check you out and and see what you're up to. Also, everybody Go check out his TED Talk right now. Go check it out. It's, it's awesome. It's very emotionally uplifting. And yeah, it's very detailed and it's, it's very good. So I, I definitely encourage everybody. So yeah, Thank you, brother. 
Yeah, no problem. Well, we'll have that a link specifically for that in the show notes as well. Cool brace. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. David Wood Bartley. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you. Check out David's TED Talk on YouTube. Give him some love. He's an awesome guy. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. As I said before, take a screenshot, tag us if you got value, share it with a friend. Let us know what, what, what your takeaway was, right? It's really, really important. If you can leave us a review, if you got impact, if we made impact in your life, I'd really appreciate it. I love you guys. Have an amazing day. We'll catch you next time.